Mr. Bob Dylan. Welcome to the Joker Men podcast for Patreon. Yes, welcome. Uh, today we're doing uh, an episode that I think is uh, something everyone's been waiting for for at least what, how many weeks now? Folks have been clamoring for months since uh, since we took our first visit to Wilbury Town, Wilburyville. It's been months, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Time flies. I mean, we're going to be coming up on the one-year anniversary of Joker Man before too long. When was the first uh, episode of Joker Man, Ian? It was, it was June. It was the end of June, uh, June 20th or something like that. So mm-hmm. we're in February right now, so we've got another four months to go, right? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, right. That's how that works. Yeah. Sorry. We're going to have to come up with some sort of star-studded... Uh, ex- hold on. Just hold that thought. All right. Is this going to be the bit for tonight? You're just eating a carrot on mic? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a wacky episode, you know? Right. Because it's... Yeah, I guess that's true. It's, Wilbur- it's a little loose. Wilbury's volume three. I don't feel loose or free right now. I feel kind of like mm. um, a little stiff, honestly, uh, going into this. But yeah, just to go back to what you were saying, yes, we should have something special for for the one year spectacular i don't know what we're that gonna would get be. we're gonna get bob dylan himself to come on joker pen <laughs> yeah and then after that we'll just keep doing episodes like we normally do <laughs> right yeah he we're gonna get we're gonna get bob dylan on uh joker men to discuss um like um uh like the bootleg series nine or something and then just you know go back to talking about shadows in the night or fallen angels or whatever we're talking about by then. Yeah. I'm excited for those. Yeah, me too. But like I said, I don't feel great about this and I'm not feeling very prepared. I don't feel that excited even. Well, what, what can we, by the way, I'm Ian. Everybody who knows that, I think if they're a Patreon listener, but we just gotta, we gotta stick with it. It's like the clubhouse, you know, we've got a thing. All right. That's true. Um, you were going to say, what, what can we do to raise my spirits and stuff? Well, I was going to ask, uh, I, I was going to ask that in a moment, but first I was going to ask what is, you know, uh, long time. One will... second. Taking, taking a carrot break here. Go ahead. Long time listeners will recall the two previous Wilbury centric episodes as episodes in which you were 
you were just sort of delighted and and over the moon and having having the time of your life as yeah. all of the Wilburys themselves were uh, yeah. for Wilburys Volume One. That's right. And and now here we are back again, and 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 your mood has changed. Things have changed. Yeah, things have changed, as they say. It's just, it's that post Wilburys hangover that that I've I've been dreading. I guess this episode a little bit. And I, I was excited for it, uh, um, kind of. And then I kept getting less and less excited about it. Mm. And now at this point, we're right, we're doing it, and I feel like I, uh, like I'm not in that Wilbury mood. Maybe that that, that that's gonna change, but um, maybe we just need to, you know, we can need to kind of submerge ourselves back in the Wilbury verse. Yeah, it's just it's um, it's hard, you know, just like. I read the news, you know, I see the, I see the Instagram, I see the Twitter. Right. Right. And it brings that, it, it really does drain that Wilbury spirit out of you some days. That's true. I, I, I feel that. So right now the Super Bowl is going on. You like that? Yeah. I, I think it has just concluded. We were watching it. Um, and, uh, we turned it off about two minutes to go. Uh, friend of the pod, Tom Brady has won his seventh Super Bowl. Uh, congratulations, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in wings tonight. That's that's why I was saying before we started the re- recording, that's why I was eating carrots, because I chopped up, you know, I had some carrot sticks and some celery. Blue cheese or wings. ranch? Blue cheese, of course. Good. Thank God. Come on. Woof. You know how many people out there are, like, eating ranch with their wings? I do know how many people out there are eating ranch with their wings. They're all sickos. And it was uh, it was homemade blue cheese, beautiful. I mean, yeah. I assume you didn't make the blue cheese. No, 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 no. But you know, you, you get the blue cheese, you, you crumble it in there with a little buttermilk, some mayonnaise, mm-hmm. olive oil, a little hot sauce, lemon juice, Worcestershire. You're set. That's that sounds great. Although I don't know that you would need hot sauce in there. If it was you're, just just a little. It wasn't it, like it was like a you're teaspoon dip, of hot sauce, <laughs> just to give wings. it a sort of you know a, a little bit of a zing. If, a it, zang. if you're just throwing a, a carrot or a celery stick in there, you mean it's gonna? Yeah, I I, I see where you're going with that. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah, um, worked out great. You know, I invented this is sort of a Wilburian uh, type of gag that I did a while ago. It, it strikes uh, you know that sort of Wilbury's humor. It was, a, it was a recipe I invented called uh, the ghost of wings. I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> so what you do is you, it's just carrot sticks and celery and, and blue cheese. And and uh, <laughs> you, you can have a little thing of of sauce, too, of buffalo sauce. A little bit of buffalo sauce on the side. It's no wings. It's just everything else. And you invented this. Yeah, I did. Okay, so it's like a like a crudite, basically, is what you invented. It's a yeah, buffalo, in the ghost of the buffalo wings. It's a crudite with some buffalo sauce on the side, and it it, uh, it strikes me that it's exactly like this this uh, record here. Oh, you see where I'm going with this? I do. Well, do you want to tell the folks why? Well, it's because we're missing an important piece of the Wilbury puzzle. Maybe the most important piece. And it makes sense why I feel kind of sad, why there's like sort of chill in the air, a sort of right. melancholy mood, you could even say. Right. And yeah, this is sort of like, you know, the, the same way that, uh, you know, The Godfather 2 is sort of this like kind of downer coda. 
to mm-hmm. the semi-exuberant Godfather 1, great time movie. A lot of just people having a good time. Everything works right. out well for all the characters. In that, in that first film. Yeah, it's yeah, just family fun. Then Godfather 2 comes along and it's a little you know, kind of uh, slower, a little downer, a little, little cooler, a little grayer. Uh, and we're missing some some key characters. You know, we're missing Sonny Corleone. We're missing uh, uh, Don... Well, I guess Don Vito was in it, but in the flashback. You know, whatever. Uh, we're missing... Lefty. Lefty Wilbury. Roy Orbison. Better known as Roy Orbison. Yeah. Terrible loss. And um, really, it, it, it's a miracle to me that they even made this second record without him. Yeah. Um, but... That's what you got to come into this record with. Uh, if you want to enjoy it, you have to realize that it did happen. It wasn't uh, just contractual. You know, I don't think. I think that they were just uh, still having some fun doing right. this. It was a good outlet for all of them. And um, it, what it wasn't is that sort of in- intoxicating sleepover party uh, pizza rolls energy that you get with the <laughs> with the Wilbury's first version, whether you're smoking cigars, smoking cigarettes inside, you're eating a, a making a big pizza, playing playing banjo, playing 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 harmonica, just like ten guitars in a little room in a house. I'm getting nostalgic for for a time for you know? for Wilbury's Volume One. It really does sort of yeah. I, I know what you mean. It's kind of a romantic period of of time in my mind, mostly because it seems like it lasted for such a brief, you know, such a it's such an ephemeral moment. It was, and this this record is kind of the the questions come uh, up. Can you recapture that old magic, or is life, you know, just uh better lived with your eyes, you know, facing forward, not trying to repeat yourself. Right. Not trying to recapture an old feeling. Yeah. To some extent, I think this record attempts to do something different, but uh, I don't know if that's what you want from the Wilburys. I, I suppose we should just jump in. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, no time like the present, I suppose, as they say. So... Track one of Wilbury's Volume Three. We, uh, we, well, I guess we we should talk a little bit about just like that. That's what it's called. This is, there's no sure. Volume Two. You know, it's Volume Three. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, you, you listeners might be confused. You know, you, you dial up the Wilbury's search on your search engine of choice and you on, see, on, oh, on your Wilbury's search engine. Right, you go to travelingwilburys.com and you sort of like log in to the the Wilbury's knowledge base and you see, oh, there's Wilbury's one, there's Wilbury's three. What's happened to Wilbury's two? There must be a a, a corrupted data file or something. Yeah. Uh, but no, you would be incorrect there. Wilbury's volume three is in fact the second and and what would turn out to be the final. Wilbury's release from 1990, um, a couple years down, down the line from the traveling Wilbury's volume one 88. Yes. Track one then track one is she's my baby. She sure is. Um, (laughs) so what do you think about this song? 
I think that it is the first song on Traveling Wilburys Volume 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have some notes. Um, my main notes here is very brief. I wrote that Bob comes in at one point. You know, it's like a classic Wilburys format where they're all kind of jumping in, doing a little verse or part of a verse here, part of a verse there. And uh, Bob says something like, she builds a boat makes it float, and then loves to put her tongue right down my throat. She'd love to put her tongue right down my throat. Yep, he, he's a different character technically now. He's he's not he's no longer posing as Boo Wilbury. It's right. actually, um, what's his name here? No, he is Boo he's Wilbury. He's Boo Wilbury, he, yeah. He was, he was lucky. lucky. Um, but on, I, you, don't, don't you even know your Wilburys? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh he was lucky. Now he's boo. I actually found this to be one of my favorite little moments on the, on the record is like, it's his, it's Bob's first big line. They're all espousing, you know, the, the great qualities of their, of the, this baby that they have. Yes. And, uh, Bob's, Bob's like triple threat or like just double shot rather of, um, Wilbury classic, signifiers here just like bowls me over and I actually really like it because it's like okay just like right out of the gate you get some like stupid rhyme like (laughs) she builds a boat she makes it float like you're expecting and then the way that he comes in with she loves to put her tongue right down my throat it's like uh it's that's pure Wilbury you know absolutely just mixing uh sub mental nursery rhyme lyrics with something that comes to, out of left field is just like inappropriate. Yeah. Just unchecked, uh, really unchecked virile kind of, um, I shouldn't uh, say inappropriate. I should say, uh, uh, sexually charismatic. Sure. Yeah. Virile. Virile. Yeah. It's, it's a good natured, thing is you know it reminds me of like court jester type of body humor mm. you know sure sure, sure, sure. w d y right wilbury the wilburys i think it's clear for bob at least uh you know acted as sort of an outlet for certain elements of his persona or his his songwriting um pursuits that that he maybe didn't feel comfortable pursuing on his own or or didn't feel like they fit in with the records that he was making around the time, but you are absolutely right. I mean, right off the bat, Horny Bob has made a a triumphant and present return here. Yeah. Sort of just like kind of a gross, you know, there's something sort of gross about it, Um, but but like wholesome in that grossness, you know, in addition to the horniness. Triumphant is right. Yeah, yeah, triumphant, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, in addition to the horniness, I think it, one of the other defining themes, maybe the other defining theme of this record, is divorce, um, mm. because uh, there are several songs that are just extremely uh, divorced guy energy, um, really all throughout. And you know, when you think of the guys that are writing and recording these songs, there are all these big time entertainment industry sickos at this point with millions and millions of dollars in the bank and these big, enormous houses and, you know, the cool hot rods and stuff. And, uh, and you know, you can, just, you can just imagine them getting pissed at, like, an alimony payment 
that's coming down uh, every month. They're like, uh, gotta gotta spend sixty thousand dollars a month to support my divorced spouse. Yeah, that is that how much it gets to. Like, I have, I have no idea. That sounds like a lot. I mean, I think it is a lot if you are a Wilbury type person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think this is a good start to the record, actually. And uh, I I just feel like when he does that line about, like, the tongue right down your throat, it's it's like he knows what he's doing. It feels almost like he's performing his solemn duty as a Wilbury. By right. doing those stupid lyrics and then that gross <laughs> lyric, it's like uh, there's something kind of um, that feels like a liturgy about it. You know, it's like yeah, it, it, I think there is absolutely an element tradition. of tradition, like part playing on 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 Bob's part at least. I I don't know uh, the degree to which that's present for uh, Petty or for George or Jeff Lynne necessarily. But with Bob, like, you know, you, you just can't ever imagine him writing that lyric and singing it on his own, you know, kind of solo stuff. No. And, uh, but he feels like he's, yeah, he feels like he has a little more feels, license to do that kind free. of thing here. And it's what people are expecting of him. Uh, he, you know, he's got the kind of like the, the, the grizzled or more grizzled kind of voice. He's, he's the member of the Wilburys who doesn't have, you know, kind of a classically attractive singing voice. And so he just comes along with this. With these attractive lyrics. Is that what you're about to say? Well, no, he's got, he's got this, it's it's debatably attractive on the lyrics. Um, But he's got this kind of gross line on this gross, you know, with this gross voice right off the bat. Well, it it reminds you of of Dirty World, the the song from Wilbury's Volume 1. from Wilbury's 1, absolutely. Yeah, Park It Where the Sun Don't Shine. Right. Um, um, yeah, I mean, the song itself is, is uh, you know, it's pretty good. It's rel- relatively catchy. It's no um, handle with care, certainly. No, no. It's a little, it's a little more, a little more loose, a little, little more hard rocking. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that guitar is definitely a little more kind of jagged and, uh, and raw, uh, or at least that's what they seem to be going for. And you don't have that beautiful George vocal kind of guiding you through. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of sets the stage for all that follows is, you know, the, one of the strongest things, probably the strongest thing on Wilbury's one was just the like absolute, like masterclass pop songwriting that you had on some of those songs throughout. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that, that shows up in spots on this record, but it's not, it isn't, it isn't there to the same degree that it was before. Yeah. For whatever reason. However, the next one is maybe one of the the better examples of a tight pop uh, composition. Inside Out, yes. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Spoon song of the same name. Is it was the Spoon so the Spoon song what you're saying the Spoon song was a cover of this song. Yeah, a spiritual <laughs> sequel. Um this one is one of those Wilbury numbers that has sort of an unmistakable uh, thumbprint of Jeff Lynne on it uh, mm-hmm. melodically. Mm-hmm. And, and those harmonies are just classic Jeff. Sure. So you get some uh, sort of ELO light on Inside Out. Yeah. Yeah, Bob takes the lead on the vocal on this one too. And interestingly, apparently... Uh, Bob actually sings, there's a lot more actual Bob 
you know, vocal, uh, lead vocal on this record than there is on the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And apparently the reason that is is because, as with the first Wilbury's record, you know, if if we think back to that, they they recorded, you know, the whole thing in the span of 10 days or something in May because that was when Bob had some free time in between legs of his tour. For this Wilbury's set as well, he was about to go out onto tour again and so he had to get into the studio and record vocal takes for a bunch of these songs. And then George, Tom, and Jeff Lynn put the rest of the record together after Bob had cut those takes and then, you know, went out on tour. And so they had a bunch of Bob lead vocals on these songs already. And apparently George just kind of like didn't love a lot of them. Uh, but because they had them already and Bob wasn't there necessarily, he felt like he didn't want to be underhanded and, you know, rip out the Bob lead vocals and then replace them with his own or or uh, stuff from Jeff Lynne. And so there's just there's a bunch of Bob lead vocals on this record because Bob recorded his lead vocals first and no one bothered to replace them, basically. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I actually uh, don't think that hurts so much. Maybe it does a little... Yeah, I think it depends on the song. It depends on the song, but I will say that uh, Bob's vocals very often sound very good and actually surprisingly um, sharp and, and uh, not sharp, like melodically pitchy, but uh, sharp, uh, like on uh, just with it. You know, he sounds interested and energetic. Right. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're not wrong about that. Um, what a, <laughs> what a what weird we lyric. The, the I was yellow. Just say, what do we think inside out is about? Yellow. The, the color yellow is about the, tr- the color yellow. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I was wondering that earlier. I'm listening to it now. I don't know. It's not, it's not coming to you anymore. It's about yellow. Okay. Well, you you heard it here, folks. Uh, inside out, it's about the color yellow. I think the the harmonies and like the um the chorus is is the funniest part uh, when you're outside's in and then uh, and then they get like the the uh, harmonies in the background inside out and your downsides up and the harmonies in the background upside down. Yeah, your upsides right. Harmonies right side up. Yeah, don't it make you want to twist and shout when you're inside out? Uh, another just sort of classic dumb as a rock Wilbury's rhyme. <laughs> yeah, like clockwork. I really don't know what the deal is with like, look out your window and then the sky is yellow and you look down your drain and it's yellow in there and you look down, you look at the grass, it's kind of yellow. Right. It was all yellow. Like that song. Yes, yes. This was a forerunner to Coldplay. Yeah. Which, that song came out just a few years after this. Not Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. Uh, that, that must must mean something. Uh, one other uh, note on Inside Out. One of the, I guess maybe, is it the only um, music video from the record? Um, they got released. Maybe there's one more, but it is one of them. And, uh, and we've got some, some real kind of signature 1990 
looks for the guys. Uh, have you have you taken a look at the video, Evan? The music video for which song? For Inside Out. No, I haven't. Well, you are in for a treat because I'm going to oh, turn on oh, the screen I'm, I'm share. I'm looking at it now. Right no, now. No, no, I, I am looking at it myself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was that period where Bob had that beard, that scraggly beard. Yeah, uh, real. Those pictures of him. Luck. There's a, those few great pictures <laughs> of him. Uh, look at that. You know the ones where he has he's at home and he's wearing overalls, mm-hmm. like in his garden or whatever. Right, and looking just completely pissed. They all look um, really haggard. What kind of hat is this that Bob is wearing? What what's a the straw, name? Just of a this? straw hat, like a. No, it's not a straw hat. Well, it technically it literally is. Um, and maybe it is. Is it like a pork pie hat? Is that the the term for it? Um, it's like the kind of hat you'd wear if you're in like a a. A barbershop quartet, or you're the kind of hat you would wear if you were running for president in 1908. Yeah, uh, yeah, that type of hat. Yeah, whatever. What kind of hat is that? Yes, yeah, there's got to be some name for it, and we're just failing to come up with it. Uh, the barbershop quartet hat. It's called a called yeah, just a boater, a boater hat. A, a boat, b o a t e r. Boater, yeah. A boater, okay. Yes. So you could also see, you know, like a guy in a gondola wearing mm. a hat like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah, the original kind of beautiful boater. Yeah. In a dirty gondola. Yeah, they look, uh, they look good. They look great. <laughs> The, the the they're they've gone back to the well and uh, Kel- know, the, Keltner the, getting a lot of t- time on you know, he's he's back time yeah Sidebury right um it, it, you know they they're employing the classic Wilbury's music video strategy of just um uh, miming playing the song you know uh, on a stage all of them strumming on guitars together uh, except this time there's some sort of like weird painted backdrop of a forest or something. And they appear to be on like a a stage as it would be in like a child's or not child's like but like a, a high school auditorium yeah. or something. Yeah, like the G building. Yeah. Yeah. Well, inside out, you know, pretty good as far as Wilbury's three songs go. Uh and I guess they agreed because they decided this was a single. But it's uh it it's it doesn't have that uh, that sort of freight train power of uh, beginning to see the light or uh, end of the line or something like that. Yeah, no, it's it's no end of the line. No. And then, the, but this next one, this is another. This is a stand up for me, uh, kind of. I guess <laughs> if you belong to me, I, I just think it's cute. And uh, Bob has a he uh, takes command of this this sort of. Silly, cute little number, and mm-hmm. uh, he he does a handy job, I think. Handy job, sure. Uh, yeah, handy, you know we have handy job. Yeah, uh, so I didn't mean to we've do got that. another another Bob lead. You know, uh, I guess kind of the third in a row, uh, right off right off the bat. Or I guess she's my baby was kind of all four of them singing it together. But inside out and if you belong to me are both are both Bob. 
leads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's not too much going on here, I would say. Yeah, um, I don't know. There's really not much to talk about. <laughs> this this has got another classic, just uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, imbecile level rhyme yeah. from Bob. Um, you look so sad. You're going so mad. Any fool can see you'd be happy as you could be if you belong to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's... <laughs> it's so simple that it sort of eludes uh, criticism. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah the, you almost can't say anything about it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not, like criticizing the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Yeah, or like a like a like a a, a drawing or something, uh, but it's a it's like a color by numbers sort yeah. of thing. Um, there, there's, there's you know you put the red in the in the boxes that are supposed to be red. You put the blue in the ones that are supposed to be blue, and yep. that's that's what you get. <laughs> um, uh, Next song, we gotta get through this album. You you got it, boss. Um, the devil's been busy. So this this one has like another really confounding lyric. Uh, I don't really know what this song's about. Um, this song this song is about divorce. This is one of the is first it? ones. Yeah, it, it's all about like hanging out in Los Angeles and golfing and driving your cool Cadillac around, but something bad is happening in the background. Oh no. Something bad. The devil's the devil's been busy. The devil's been busy in your backyard. Yeah, that famous phrase and that saying that we all have heard. <laughs> I think this is a cool one. I, I really like the. Um, I like it. The, I like it too. Um, this, actually, this, the sitar line. Well, uh, or the, here's something I noticed. I don't know if you noticed that there's hmm. a part with that sitar that sounds exactly like a different song. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, a I, different song this. with a with a certain connection to a certain Wilbury. Um, wait, an- another song on this record or another song no. elsewhere? Another song elsewhere. Oh, I I missed that. Go go uh, scroll scrabble through your song here there and and go to one minute and forty six seconds, and tell me if this doesn't sound like a certain song. One one minute forty six seconds in the devil's been busy. That's right. Okay, I hear that. Can I can I tell you what I think it is? What What do you got? M- maybe I could give you a hint. Uh, I can almost remember what song it is. It sounds like Jet. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Okay. A song by Paul McCartney. By Paul McCartney. And I was to the point where I was wondering, like, is this some kind of weird slight at Paul? Like, is this a weird? Is this like a a George in joke or something where he's like doing that little riff from Jet? Okay. Yeah. 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 I think that's it's probably a different key and stuff, but it's like a pretty similar little progression there. Sure. Yeah. George is uh, is is referencing his uh, his old friend, I guess. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, this song, while you're strolling down the fairway, showing no remorse, glowing from the poisons they've sprayed on your golf course, while you're busy sinking birdies and keeping your scorecard, the devil's the been devil's busy been in your busy backyard. In your backyard. Yeah, I don't. What's he doing? This is sort of a sort of like an eco-fascist uh, Wilbury's song here. Uh, steaming down the highway with your trucks of toxic waste. Where you gonna hide it? Maybe outer space. You don't know what you're doing or what you have to guard. The devil's been busy in your backyard. Yeah, I don't really get it. I I, I don't think it's about divorce necessarily. Uh, I think it's about a divorced guy. Maybe the character is divorced, but do, doesn't it sort of seem like he's talking to some fat cat rich guy or something? No, I, th- I think that I think that. I think that a lot of the the characters that the Wilburys were, you know, kind of coming up with, <laughs> might have been informed by some of their own personal uh, personal life experiences. Yeah, pro- I guess. Um, I, what's the part about the guy getting beaten by by the police? There, yeah, your kill- cousin getting beaten by the police is, um, with their co- with beating him with his kosh. Oh, well, that's at the end. Yeah, they're coming down Piccadilly, drop, dripping at the dosh, arresting yeah. Sticky Willie, clubbing him with their kosh. I think Jeff Lynn is just making up words or uh, speaking in some sort of, you know, kind of ancient Gaelic tongue uh, that's a, not familiar to us here in uh, in the States. A, a kosh is, a, is like a club, a um, nightstick. A nightstick, I see. Like a billy club. Yeah. An impact okay. weapon, you know, in law enforcement. That's what they call it in the UK, I, I think. So Got it. suddenly Piccadilly, yeah, suddenly we're in, in jolly old England in yeah, that Piccadilly. last line. But we were in Brentwood in the other parts of the song, I guess. Presumably. <laughs> what, and what, the, what it was one also. Okay, go ahead. Hmm. I was just going to say we haven't really talked about like the sound of this record. Right. Well, I, that that might have been what I was gonna. Uh, uh, you know, we can we can we can knit our points together here. Cool. Uh, this is this is one of the first songs on the record, and you know, there's there's gonna be a couple more coming up where um, I think the sound um, really could have been improved by the presence of one Lucky Wilbury. You mean? Excuse me, Lefty, Lefty Wilbury. Wilbury. Now I'm getting my Wilburys mixed up. Shame. Shame on you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think a, 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 some of these songs, you know, you just like, you feel like something is missing. Yeah, you, and, it lacks and, that feminine uh, sort of, not feminine exactly, but like more, yeah, fe- I will, I'll, I'll say that word. Like or, Roy Orbison sort of has this, uh, it's not macho, you know, it's, it's like more operatic, uh, yeah. dramatic, dramatic, ethereal, mysterious. Like yeah. And so without him, it, it feels a little bit meatheaded. Um, right. Yeah. The chakras are misbalanced. Yeah. Yeah. There's like no heart chakra or, or there's no, uh, head chakra. I don't know how they work. Yeah. But they're, but wh- whichever they're one up. is the Roy one, it's not here. And when, when, Lynn comes in at that end of the song with the, uh, you know, now they're coming down Piccadilly line. Like for a second, it almost like it almost kind of sounds like he's trying to do a Roy impersonation and like he's, he gets sort of in that direction and then doesn't end up, 
you know, falls apart and, and it just ends up sounding like him. But like, like you hear that and you just want it to be Roy coming through with that just crystal clear, you know, smooth as glass kind of voice. Yeah. And, and that would really kind of tie it all together. And he's not there and, and, and you know, it, and, and so you get what you get and it's just not, it's not, you know, the, the heart is missing, I think. The, um, the sound of the record though, it's, it's kind of, it's also a double shame because in terms of the actual sound, I think that it's a very strong record that feels like a highly honed and polished, compact, lean, mean audio production machine. It's like mm-hmm. very uh, consistent in its sound, feels really crisp and and together, uh, just like a really sleek commercial product. Uh, not in a bad way, but one that would have been really, um, yeah, vastly improved with this uh, this missing element. Yeah, I think I think the reason why Wilbury's one works to the extent that it does is because you have the combination of you know studio perfection between Lynn and George, basically, and some really strong material um, from some songwriting as well as performances. And this one, I think that, you know, the studio gloss and sheen and perfection, that's, that's there, you know, as strong as it's ever been, maybe, maybe even more so. Um, but you, there isn't, there isn't, you know, any sort of like really solid kind of strong material there to give that strong, you know, solid studio sheen to it. And so it just, it, it ends up feeling kind of like, um, I don't know, like, like there's, Something I, I I just said it the same the same way a minute ago, but I can't think of another way to to say it right now because I am uh, not being very erudite. But that like there's something missing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you just wish that George and Jeff could have applied their skills towards something a little more worth having been polished up and and put across in such a studio you know kind of perfection. You way. could you could say that it's a sin, a sin, absolutely one of. A couple. Yeah, seven. Seven, seven of them. Specifically. Seven, seven deadly, deadly sins. sins. Um, this one just sounds like Blue Moon. Yes. But it's it's but it's Bob Dylan and the gang uh, of Wilbury's singing about the seven deadly sins. Yes. That's where the hunt begins. I don't know. My favorite part about this is the very end where you just hear Bob go, seven, seven, <laughs> seven, seven. Is that a pretty good impression of that? Yeah. You know, it's as good as, as good as you ever, ever get him down, which is pretty good. Seven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay. This song. This, this one is tailor made for Roy. I mean, just listen right, to it's the. It's got, it's got this sort of doo energy. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know, the Seven Deadly Sins, this is another kind of classic uh Wilbury's kind of concept here where I'm guessing someone was just like, you know, driving down the street and they saw an advertisement for some sort of like church or something and it said like repent for your seven deadly sins and then Petty or someone wrote it down in a notepad and said, Oh, seven deadly sins, that's a good that's a good line. And then it turned into this. What the seven deadly sins are, you know, uh, what are they? It's like lust and 
um, gluttony and jealousy and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Something along those lines. None of those make an appearance here. Uh, sin number one was when you left me. Sin number two uh, no, was a, when you said it's goodbye. A totally sin number three was when you told me a little white lie. These are not the seven deadly sins. It's not the real ones, no. No. And, you know, frankly, I would expect a little more from uh, from someone who's been shown the light and saved by the Lord Jesus Christ like Bob. He was before, but uh, this... It's just another hint that maybe the song wasn't written for him. You know, mm. there you go. Or maybe this is a, a, a you know, he, he's, he's fallen from grace by this point. Maybe we're being a little dramatic. This is just yeah, a stupid perhaps. little song. It's <laughs> uh, a stupid record. Well, uh, we're following that theme with the next song. And here's where the divorce energy comes Right, this is this is maybe the most divorce song on the record, in that it actually is yes. literally about divorce. I think that you're you're right on that point, <laughs> and uh, that's poorhouse. <laughs> you're gonna put me in the poorhouse, woman. Doesn't this sound kind of like that that song from the uh, Righteous Gemstones? Uh, running through the house with a pickle in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You put me in the poorhouse and I'll go back. Whatever they say. Um, yeah. <laughs> Misbehaving. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched much of that show, but I'm aware of that that number. It's a great program. All of the uh, you know all of the Danny McBride HBO shows are top notch. They've got something to them, you know. He's he's an auteur, I would say. He he understands and can sort of explore a specific kind of American subcultural type uh, better than virtually anyone else can. Yeah. And it's not something you see too often. Um, poor house, you, you walk in half past nine looking like a queen serving me with papers, calling me obscene. It's literally about becoming divorced. Uh, yeah. Woman, I've tried so hard just to do my best. They're going to put me in the poorhouse, and you'll take all the rest. Yeah. it's a, I'm going to become divorced guy song. If I drove a pulpwood truck, would you love me more? Would you bring me diamonds and hang around my door? What? That's one of the eternal questions, isn't it? it certainly is. If I drove a pulpwood truck? Yeah. I don't know what, you know, I guess pulped wood. Pulped wood. No. Was Petty getting, this is mostly a Petty song. Was he getting divorced at this point in time? I don't know, actually. But I think that you'd have to have some kind of experience to to write a song this deep and this searching. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. This is really, this is sort of the, (laughs) the, the emotional uh, heart of the Wilburys, uh, actually, actually no, it's not. You, there's a different song that's sort of the emotional heart of of this record. Cool, dry place. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bra beating heart of this of this album. Oh God, it's <laughs> what? What is this record for? for... Maybe we'll get into that later. But, uh, at uh, what? 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 When do you? It, when yeah, do you put this when, on? That's the, right, yeah. that's something we, to consider as as we come to the end. But when we uh, sum things up. We've got yeah, maybe now though. You know, we're to, we're kind of halfway. We can through, talk about so, the cover, right? Yeah, we're, we're this is Wilbury's Volume Three. Unfortunately, not deserving of a side A, side B. Uh, uh, 
split. So we're gonna you're getting the whole you're getting the whole shot of Wilburys uh, right here right now. And so now would be a perfect time to discuss uh, the cover of Wilburys Volume Three, which is certainly certainly a picture. Yeah, it, it looks like the, the you know some of the more advanced technological uh, graphics computing of the day mm-hmm. was employed here. Clearly, you know, all of all like eight kilobytes of RAM <laughs> of the supercomputer. It, that, it's uh, it's got this interesting look to it um, that is distinctly Wilburys, but also a little bit um, uh, more cold than the original Wilburys uh, look, you know, which is right. very tactile. I don't know how to really describe it, but, you know, you just see them here and, and there's sort of colorful, uh, sort of a green and yellow um, train images sort of superimposed on on top slash in back of them. They're all in black and white. And you've got sort of a uh, stretched out traveling Wilburys serif uh, font, sort of Western font and a big three just a lot of layers sort of fading it, it, onto each it's other it's a very messy uh messy cover yeah not clean that was the and that was the strongest thing i think about wilbury's one is it was so well kind of branded and put together and you had that iconic like traveling wilbury's logo and like font and kind of bright colors Every, all that and, pre-distressed look everything was made to look like it had been around in a while like for a while Right, exactly. It looks like old newspaper color, like funny pages cutouts is like how the the cover of that other one looks, like stuck on like a weird stucco wall. Uh, that's what volume one looks like, and right, and this one they just seemingly discarded all all of the iconography of Wilbury's volume one. I think it still has some of that spirit, though the Wilbury spirit, guess so. but it. Uh, it it doesn't have that that physicality of the early Wilburys. Bob specifically here is he's wearing like a backwards baseball cap. It looks like right. Yes, and sort of grimacing in the bottom right corner. Yeah, he's got. He looks tired, and he looks no. exact. It could have been like taken on that same day where he was doing those fr- like deeply frowning bearded pictures in his backyard or it's definitely possible that era when he was in just around this time when he's like walking around New York and some other pictures wearing like a big leather jacket and a hoodie sometimes like has that beard looks very uh rabbinical you know he's got sort of a southern italian vibe to him yeah he's rustic right <laughs> the the wilburys does have a sort of rustic visual presence you've got jeff lynn on the left um in the foreground with with bob and then in the background you have tom and george it looks mm-hmm. like two rabbis and two priests uh, yeah uh, right. who are in a band <laughs> Yeah, you have you have uh, you have the two uh, Protestants in the back, and you have the two uh, Jews in the front. One Orthodox and one Reformed. Yeah, that's right. Which <laughs> one's 
the reform is, is the one wearing a backwards baseball cap. Is that right? Um, or is it orthodox because he's the only one wearing a hat? Yeah, I think Bob would so be the orthodox closer. one because Lynn has the goatee and those like heavy kind of shades. Yeah. Like that's that's reform. Yeah. Um, Bob almost, uh, you know, in, in the right light, you could almost you could almost see that as a keeper. A yarmulke, yeah. What, what what do we have on the back cover of this record? Literally nothing. Uh, it's just a list of the songs and like a superimposed image of a of a wheel on a train. <laughs> wheel, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's that same. It also looks very messy. Uh, There's all this train stuff, sort of harkening back to the 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 days of yore with. Uh, End of the line. End of the line, right? Um, reminds me a little bit of XTC's album, The Big Express, from mm. 1984, actually, where that cover, if you have seen that, is also just like a big wheel. Uh, I believe a train wheel. Similar text, too. You see that? I see it. That, that train thing anyway moving along where were you last night right it's getting to me i'm feeling gloomy where were you last night (laughs) song about where were you you know you're asking presumably your uh the one the woman who's about to divorce you or who your baby from track one or yeah the woman who is who is serving you in the poorhouse yeah this is the argument that comes after poorhouse um you know again here (laughs) this it almost sort of defies comment or criticism then let's just defy it you know (laughs) wait where were you last night? You were so uptight. What did you do? Who did you see? Were you with someone who reminded you of me? Where were you last night? Yeah. Where were you last week? Were you okay. up a Yeah, yeah. It keeps going. Did Where were you, you last s- night, last week, last month, last year? Sure as hell we're You better here. stop your messing around. Your name is going round from town to town. Making, it's making me, me sad. sad making, making me, me feel, feel bad. bad. That's the second time Bob has used that fucking rhyme on this record. <laughs> Rhyming sad with bad. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh yeah, I you got you got to admire him. All right, I, I, I kind of love just it. Just for that, I'm I'm not gonna like. Let's just not touch it. Let's just go to the next <laughs> one. Uh, the next one is a song, which is is a rare type of of uh, subgenre of of rock music, desiccant themed rock music. Desiccant. Yeah. How so? Oh, because cool dry places. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, De- desiccant. It's about. It's like it's a you know. Uh, Anti-moisture music. Sure, absolutely. This is about this is about keeping things from getting damp, specifically instruments. This is about the uh, list of things that are getting chopped up and divided up in the settlement. And he's saying, "Well, you're not taking any of my fucking guitars. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna take any of these guitars, you bitch." Clearly, uh, 
just the same exact concept for this song as there was for Handle With Care, which was someone just saw a sticker well, on it, a box in a garage. It goes right back into that Handle with that Wilbury's uh, self-referential Wilbury's <laughs> Rolodex of, of terms, you know. Just they're the just going beautiful. like, well, we got to have one song that is about just like some boring thing that you would read <laughs> uh, on a label. So cool, dry place. It's just about how you read the manual. You read the manual, and you gotta keep it safe. What are some other? What are some other like potential, like label based phrases that that could form the the crux of a Wilbury song? Um, like uh, don't uh, do, no diving, something like that. No diving, like sure. Like, you can't dive, or, like, don't run around, no running around do the not, pool. How about do not eat? Like, one of those silica gel packets Well, that's that you what get. this is. That's that's what cool, dry place, it says do not eat on the little silica gel packet. That's what a right, desiccant right. is. I see. Okay. Um, so, we gotta expand our horizons a little bit here. Hmm. Um, like, uh, I keep thinking, like, do not... Not swim. Uh, don't don't swim alone. That's a slippery good one. when wet. So, well, that's Bon Jovi's territory. Oh. Of course, oh. he has that record called "Slippery When Wet." Hmm. Um. <laughs> um. Deer crossing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know what I think would be right is like uh, you have to be this tall to ride. Must one, be one called must one be forty eight inches. One just called uh, this tall to ride. Okay, sort we're, of a we're, ticket we're, to ride type. Song. Yeah, we're moving a little close to the ticket to ride. No, but it's a, it's there. about how you got to be this tall to ride the ride. Okay, At, you okay. took you take your sweetie baby. Uh, <laughs> Before you go to divorce court together, you go to the Malibu um, uh, chili cook-off, right? And you're, and then they they tell you, I'm "Gonna get on the Ferris wheel." She's too tall. She's too short. She's you're too t- tall. Yeah, she's. T- that's another good one. She's too tall. <laughs> that's another good one. There, there's actually a a song, uh, uh, a Nilsson song called. Uh, is there about about her being too tall? It's called Jesus Christ, you're tall. <laughs> you know, he. I feel like in some ways, Harry Nilsson was kind of a proto Wilbury. I think he would have made a great. Member he would of have Wilburys. been a, fan, a terrific member um, if he had. A, he was. Was he dead at this point? No, nineteen ninety. He wasn't. That, that- he was. He don't think he was dead, but I don't think he was doing great. And I don't right. think he was in any shape to be recording music, probably. Uh, yeah, ninety four. So it was we were we were in the in the waning days. But uh, if if we uh, if you examine his career, I think a lot of his later records feel like Wilbury records. Say it. Mm. Not even later records. Like he, so his best stuff is is kind of Wilbury like. It's. It has higher highs, but um, there's some real Wilbury type lows on on his solo material. Wait, Jesus! Did you know that uh, Nelson died in Agora? Yeah, he's buried in in Agora. 
I didn't. I had no idea. He's buried at the cemetery next to the Costco. Yeah, it says right here, uh, the Pierce Brothers Valley Oaks Memorial yeah. Park in Westlake Village. That's the one. Jesus. I didn't know he lived out there. Yeah, he did. He lived in Old Agora. That's... Uh, I, I was going to say that's cool or that's sad or something. I don't really have it's an just actual interesting. comment for that. It, uh, just, it, is, it is what it is. I mean, uh, what a great, great artist. But, I mean, this is the man who wrote... Uh, uh, lime in the coconut like this is sure this is that's, that's that such is, a wilbury's that, type song exactly that is absolutely wilbury's core i mean he's like a one-man wilbury harry nelson he wrote uh <laughs> you know without you and lime in the coconut and jump into the fire like it, it, just such range but it, it all is really similar type of range like the types of things he did including later on like just the really debauched records he like like pussycats and um and do it on monday uh those are just like you know records recorded in the midst of a bender what a great man what a great artist absolutely cool dude you almost wonder like because you know he and lennon spent several years running around just yeah you know well that's famously he sort of ruined his voice in the midst of recording the Pussycats album with, with right. Lennon. Just you almost wonder though, like, you know, would, would, if John had, had stuck around, would he and, and Harry have formed their own, their own super group to rival the Wilburys of George and Bob and Roy? And I don't, Co. I don't think the Wilburys would have existed if John hadn't passed. Really? I just don't, like a, but, I don't, like a butterfly effect. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I don't see, history going that way i think that um it's possible that there would have been some kind of beatles uh reunion, reunion of some type maybe between who knows like that that's such a wild card to throw out there is, is right Interesting. Uh, I, re- I don't think that george's career or any of the beatles uh post beatles uh would have had the same would be in the same place they ended up if if uh that didn't I guess I'm glad, you know, I'm certainly not glad that John <laughs> met his end the I way guess, that he did. I guess I'm glad that he got murdered. Is that what you're say? I was, I was going to say, I'm not glad that he got murdered, uh, but I, I am glad that we live in the universe that the Wilburys existed in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least if nothing else, we got you to say that. For one bright shining moment. Um. I feel like we've switched roles here and, and where you were previously the Wilburys booster and I was the Wilburys, you know, uh, uh, apathetic. Uh, now I'm, now I'm the, the Wilburys guy. I, I'll, you are. I'll always love the, the Wilburys, but this record we have to approach with a sort of open, open heart, um, open eyes. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, listening to this though, and thinking about it in the context of Harry Nilsson is actually a really interesting thought experiment. I think it, and it, it is maybe a way to make me, to make anybody warm up to, to this record and especially to the first one, if they're, uh, hesitant. Right. Um, because he, he is kind of the blueprint for this type of just like a guy who's who could you who's capable of such great great things mm-hmm. sort of choosing willy-nilly to not do that 
<laughs> to just do something stupid. And um, it, it, he, his is a very interesting career for how he kind of ran all over the place doing some of the most beautiful ballads you've ever heard and then songs that are like just goofy and fun. Anyway, uh, the next song here is New Blue Moon. Blue Moon 2. Blue Moon 2, Return of Blue Moon. Yeah. Or maybe it's about the beer. I got a crack and open a new blue moon, yeah. Again, divorce, you know, Blue Moon, big I don't uh, think divorce that guy beer. I don't think that this is about the beer, Blue Moon. I'm going to I'm going to choose to have my own interpretation. Thank you very much. That's the great thing about art is we can all see in it what we want and you can't tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know uh the I I I going to pop your bubble here cuz uh Blue Moon wasn't released until 1995. So, it's possible that this insp- helped to inspire the beer though. Well, I'm you you were doing Violence yeah. and um, uh, intolerance to me right now, and uh, and I'm 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 gonna have to file a complaint with the Jokerman HR department. That's me. <laughs> I, I, I am the Jokerman HR department, and I deny uh, your this, claim. This is the best song on the record. It's very good. It's so good. What do you What do you say? It's the best though. What, what does that mean to you? Because it's the best because it's the closest to just the pure like like perfect pop sensibility that you get on the album. Uh, it's got the it, and and basically it sails on this beautiful kind of George vocal um, that that kind of takes it on. Yeah, it's got um, a kind of Beatlesy breezy quality. Exactly. Yeah, and once again, you know, this is yet another Bob lead vocal here. Uh, and this is another one where I think it's just calling out. It's it's just it's crying uh, out for yeah. Roy to take the lead vocal on this one, uh, with with the George kind of um, you know harmony or whatever that's going on in the background. But yeah. with Bob, you know, <laughs> he doesn't even sound like he gives a shit on this one. Uh, when he, when he goes when he has that like uh, you 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 yeah yeah who. <laughs> At the end, it's like it sounds like he was already halfway out the door of the studio. Mm-hmm. Well, he could have just been making up the lyrics, like you know, he probably just made up what he said a second before, which is he, he probably, which if was, he did, but- I mean, whatever is going on here, I, I think you're right that this one seems to capture some of that, that raw spontaneity, um, that is really what makes the Wilburys work at their best, right? Um, Something I didn't mention earlier was that on uh, on the song "Where Were You Last Night," there is a moment where you've got Keltner banging on stuff, like you hear him like playing the drums on stuff that clearly isn't drums, like a random sort of percussion on like found objects, which is something that they did on the uh, I don't remember on what song on Wilbury's one, but it was sort of like a classic Wilbury's one moment. And it feels a little on forced. the first record. Yeah. And it feels a little forced on, on this mm. one. Just trying to recapture, recapture some of the that lost spontaneity. Magic. Yeah. Um, right. But this song new, new blue moon, it just did. It, it feels actually very effortless and, um, 
it, it, I think for that, it, there's a case to be made that it's one of the best. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, we're still, uh, and I know, I don't, I know, folks at home love to come to the Jokerman for our our real kind of uh, insightful and original, deep seated analysis of what lies beneath these lyrics, and just kind of you know scratching out some some deeply hidden meaning uh, behind the words that we're hearing. Uh, unfortunately, you don't, you know, the, <laughs> the Wilburys is not really where you're going for that. And New Blue Moon, as good as it is, as catchy as it is, is still not a song where we're looking, uh, uh, you know, for <laughs> for much uh, hidden significance, I would no, say. No, it's it's about the feeling that you get listening to it. Yeah, and, but, and that's okay. You know, it just, it it, uh, it bops along so easily and effortlessly. You know, I think if we had a whole record that had this kind of sound, this is, I think also maybe, you know, one of the songs that's closest to the original uh, Wilbury's One, you know, kind of sound in general. Yeah. Just kind of the the simple, um, uh, eager to please pop song approach. And, and um, the next one here... I think the same could be said of it, although it's, you know, instead of just uh, being an upbeat pop song, it's more, more of a ballad, but still, still not so down, but you know, it's a little bit more of a ballad. This one to me is like the one that seems like it was totally supposed to be, uh, for Roy. Hmm. Yeah. Interestingly, I actually just... You took my breath away. Like, you can totally, totally hear that. Yeah. I just opened up the the genius page on uh, You Took My Breath Away as you were saying that, and this is is not a confirmed comment that's been left, but uh, someone named Grittofer... Uh, states that You Took My Breath Away, the penultimate song on Volume 3, is a lovely ballad delivered by Tom Petty with help from Bob. Some have described it as an homage to Roy. While Orbison has never mentioned Petty Sings, You Took This Song of Mine and Changed the Middle Bit. It used to sound all right, but now the words don't fit. Interesting. No. Yeah. It's a it's a good, uh, it's a good ballad, uh, for what it is, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it seems like it's got Roy's name all over it. Right. And he's right. not there to pick it up. Oh, what could have been? Yeah. Well, maybe someday we'll do an episode about the final Roy Orbison record produced by Jeff Lynn, which I have a great fondness for mystery girl. Right. I really like that record. Yeah, it's it's a good record. And uh, in a way, I think it's a sort of companion piece, a fitting companion piece to the Wilbury uh, concept, the Wilbury experience. Right. Um, sort of a coda to the Wilbury. And um, now we, we we find ourselves at the at the last last song. Um, this is maybe the other best song on the record. Do you think so? <laughs> I think I like this is this is and and you know I guess this can also kind of segue us into our discussion of the broader significance here. Um, but this is the last song released by the Wilburys on the last Wilburys record, yeah. right? And so I, I kind of think of this song as the song that's 
it's like the closing credits song or like the, the Wilbury's yeah. theme song almost, you know, that kind of like, uh, this is, this is what it's been all about. Yeah. Um, we're, we're speaking of course of the Wilbury twist. It's, come on, baby. It's the Wilbury twist. <laughs> it's the Wilbury twist. There's never been nothing quite like this. Come on, baby. It's the Wilbury twist. Yeah. There is a music video. There is. Featuring Woody Harrelson, Whoopi Goldberg, Fred Savage, Ben Savage, Kala Savage, the whole Savage clan, uh, Tomas Guzman Sanchez of Rhythm Tribe, Millie Vanilli, Cheech Marin, John Candy, and Eric Idle. Yep. You've fully got John Candy in probably one of his last performances. Probably. It's playing, playing right on the screen right in front of you. We yeah. got once again all of the Wilburys uh, just strumming along on a guitar, uh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, here's everyone just trying to do the Wilbury twist. Here we are in like a like an old folks home. There's a bunch of old people trying to do the Wilburys twist. Jo- John Candy died in '94, so um, yeah, it was just a couple years, couple, couple years, years before. Before, and Eric Idle, who is actually uh, credited in the in on the record. Did you know that? I did not know as that. As a, a doctor, something or other, uh, I forget exactly what he's, what his credit is. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has the feeling of like an end credits uh, curtain call song. And they all get to, you know, kind of come back and everyone gets their own verse here. Right, uh, you know, every it's uh, you know it's it's like a this is this is what the Wilburys is all about. I think this is where we get a little a little of that Wilburys magic recaptured once again. Everyone's just having <laughs> okay, a good time. So Eric Idle as Professor Tiny Hampton, liner notes. Sure, Tiny Hampton. Absolutely, uh, you know, Tiny Hampton. Come on, Professor Tiny Hampton. <laughs> yeah, Professor Tiny Hampton up in there in the in part of the Wilbury universe. This record just. Uh, this video, it's got, it, it swings for the fences, you know? Absolutely. The dance itself, uh, I guess, you know, the Wilbury twist. Uh, so you put your hand on your head and then you put your foot in the air and then you just hop around the room in your underwear. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you lift your other foot up and you fall on your ass and you get back up, put your teeth in a glass. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Roll up your rug, dust your broom, ball the jack, howl at the moon. Dust my broom. Sure. Everybody's trying to do the Wilbury twist. Puerto Rico, USA, England, Cameroon, Norway. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you can always go back to this and uh, do the Wilbury twist uh, of your heart. In your mind, you know. You know, anytime you are feeling down or blue or, you know, just kind of like you feel feel like the world is, is a, a rough place, and Lord knows it certainly is these days, the Wilbury twist is there. Yeah. Oh, it, a Wilbury it, twist of the mind. Let me tell you this, Evan. It doesn't cost a penny to do the Wilbury twist. Wow. Yeah. It's free. It's free. <laughs> um, well, so 
Are we gonna give a give a star rating here? No. I I feel like it's I can't. I don't know about you, Ian, but when I think of the Wilburys, I I don't think of star rankings. I don't think of quantifiable numbers. Um, I just think about friendship and uh, uh, So turn